People who change the world would not be stopped. They choose each day to go and they go with force. The church was called to be dynamic, to be revolutionary, to challenge tradition, to be adventurous. The time is right now. It's time for EBC to lead beyond these walls. One of the things, guys, uh, I've shared that with you because um, I was sitting in my office. Well, let me back up. I had an opportunity to share uh, at the Independence Bowl FCA breakfast on this past Thursday morning uh, and shared with uh, the the two teams and and all those who came to be a part of that. And uh, the, the Spirit of God gave me again John the 17th chapter. Uh, and John the 17th chapter is what I'm gonna, we're going to start uh, our, our teaching from today because one thing I realize is that when Jesus made that statement prior to him getting ready to go back to go to the cross of Calvary and ascend back up to, to heaven to be with his father, he prayed that prayer, guys, and I can't turn it loose. For some reason, I cannot turn it loose. And I was sitting in my office the other day. Actually, it was that same Thursday. Sitting in my office. And that, and I began to read that passage again. And I began to weep uncontrollably. I was sitting there. I had my back turned to the door. I was hoping that Sonia didn't come in and look at me. Because I'm sitting up there doing like, crying like a baby. Uh, but God was saying that that's the embodiment of the church unity that our oneness would be a tangible picture to the whole world our unity our oneness guys will, will, will be the the miracle that people see, the miracle of unity that will cause the world to say, Jesus was legit and the church is legit. And as I sat there, he kept telling me, that's who y'all are. That's who I called and ordained y'all to be. And, and, And take that message because we should be one. There's this song that that that, that, that we, we used to sing, and I, I, I and I hope that y'all will help us to sing it this morning. I, I'm certainly I'm not a songstress, I'm not a leader. Uh, so if the praise team is somewhere in the building or in the back, if y'all will make y'all way back up, I need us to sing this. Because God showed me, He says, I'm gonna use this church like others, we're not the only ones, but 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 that revelation knowledge is, is burning so strongly in my spirit, guys, that God says, I call y'all to be difference makers. If y'all saw that video, those folks on there, Dr. King, Obama, President Reagan, John F. Kennedy, all of those guys were difference makers. Y'all carry these things now. And when this, when this thing was first talked about, you probably, I'm sure they got all kinds of... Uh, uh, critics and skeptics, but now most people don't even, can't even walk out their house without having their their uh, their phone with them. Difference makers. God has called us to be difference makers. 
but it's going to come through the unity of the church. Unity. I need you. Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, I need you. I want us to sing that because this thing is resonating in my spirit so strong. I don't know what God's going to do, guys. I just, I just chosen to be a willing vessel. And I'm not going to let me, I'm not going to let Doyle Adams get in the way of what God wants to do. Amen. Come on, can we sing that? Hallelujah. church is what's going to be the, the tangible paramount picture to the world that what we are talking about is real. It's going, to be, it's going to be the tangible picture to the world that we are the real deal. I said we are 
the real deal. I'm going to say it again. We are the real deal. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place today. If you got your Bibles, guys, turn with me to John, the 17th chapter. And I want to go back here because I just, I am continually blown away by what Jesus said here. And for the longest, we have, if we, if we think about it, I don't, I don't think we really fully embrace what he was saying here. And we're going to uh, look at this real quick. John, St. John, the 17th chapter, verse number 9. We're going to begin our reading there. The text says, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now, I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now, protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Verse 12 says what? During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. In other words, this world system, this world's way of doing things, this world's way of operating, that's not us. Are y'all with me today? That's not us. We operate differently. Look at the neighbor and say, I move differently. They do not belong to this world any more than I do, verse 16. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Verse 20, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who would ever believe in me through their message. I've told you on countless occasions, right here, Jesus prays for you and me. He says, I'm not just talking about the ones who are my immediate followers, but I'm talking about everybody who will believe in my name because of their testimony. So that means that right here in John, the 17th chapter, Jesus is praying for you and I. Ain't that something? <laughs> well, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. The next verse says what? Come on, let's go. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Guys, I need us to read that out loud on purpose together. I don't want anybody to miss it. I want you to hear those words coming out of your mouth. Can I get a witness? Can we do that? Listen to what the Savior, Jesus Christ, said. And, 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 and guys, I'm here to tell you, every time I read this, it, it just blows my mind because for so long the church has, has skipped this, and we're going to see here that it is a part of, of who we should be. Let's read together. It says, what I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one as you are in me. 
Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so the world will believe that you sent me. 22, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. He says, I got to repeat it, guys. He says, may they experience, who is they? Disciples, believers, followers of Christ, that they may experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Glory to God. I'm, I'm going to stop right there and park for a second, okay? And by the way, I know some of y'all are saying, well, does he not notice that there's water coming from under the pulpit up front there? I do notice the water coming from the pulpit up front. It's a miracle that the water is flowing. <laughs> no, actually, uh, we had a little backup problem. We baptized a young brother this morning, and so that will be uh, taken care of shortly, okay? So don't worry about the water on the floor. I'm going to keep preaching, amen? I'll just make sure I don't step in the water while I'm preaching. And if I do, I believe I'll float today. Glory be to God. <laughs> but guys, unity. I need you. 20th century Christian theologian Francis Schaeffer said this, Christian unity is the final apologetic of the church. It's the final apologetic of the church. The word apologetic comes from a Greek word, Apologia, which means an argument or a defense of something. Think of it in this term, guys. Uh, uh, think of it a courtroom setting. How many of y'all watch Law and Order? How many of y'all, can, can we go old school? How many of y'all remember Perry Mason? Jeff, I know you do. Come on. <laughs> Perry Mason. How many of y'all, many of y'all remember those, those shows when you go into the courtroom and you see uh, an argument being made? Can I get a witness? Whether it's a criminal case or a civil case or whatever. Uh, but think of a courtroom setting where the prosecutor, uh, in, in, particularly in the case of a criminal case, a prosecutor has made their case. Now the defense is offering uh, 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 their side of the story. Uh, that's the concept of that word, apologetic. The last part of that word comes from the same root as the word logic in our language. So apologet- what is apologetics? Apologetics are reasoned arguments or writings in justification of something, typically a theory or a religious doctrine. So when Schaefer said Christian, Christian unity is the final apologetic of the church, what was he saying, Pastor? He was saying that it's the best argument we have of making our case to the world that we are the real deal. I got to repeat that. What he was saying was, it's, it's, it's the Christian unity is the best argument to the world. Because, guys, the world is watching us. The world is checking the church out to see how we're moving. And I will tell you guys that, that, that in this last century, the church has moved in a lot of ways in a positive and God-honoring sense, but in a lot of ways, the church has not moved in the direction that God wanted it to move to fulfill the plan for his church. 
what is this? This is uh, 2021. If you go back 100 years, if you go back to 1921, you wouldn't see this scene that you see here in this church right now because it would be segregated. Are y'all track, tracking with me? That was never God's plan for his church. You guys who did the study with us know that God's plan all along was to bring Jew and Gentile into one body. God's plan all along was to, to make Abraham the father of many ethnos or nationalities, that, that God was going to use Abraham to birth the seed, the Savior, the one who we just talked about, the one who was laid in a manger. As a matter of fact, it's interesting, as they were singing those Christmas songs, I thought about I was reading an article uh, just the other day, it talked about a manger. And sometimes we think of a manger, we think of the little scenes that we see in the nativity scenes, it's all neat and all little nice and tidy. But it was a manger. It was made out of discarded wood. It was, it was, it was, you know, hay in the manger. And, 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 and it was, it was, it was interesting. Can I share this with you right quick? This guy was saying this, listen, and I never really thought about this because I, whenever I see a nativity scene, it looks real neat and nice and tidy, doesn't it? But it was in a stable. The Savior of the world was laid in a stable, in a manger. This guy says, he says, do you know what a manger really is? He says, I know you've seen them arranged with lights around town, but do you know what they are really used for? He says, as a kid, I remember never really having the nerves to actually one. It seemed like everyone already knew what it was. At some point, I must have Googled it when I got older, but a picture on the Internet doesn't really do it justice. He says, I didn't really learn what a manger was until I bought a farm. He says, Catherine and I bought a farm about five years back, and it came with a 130-year-old farmhouse, a barn, and 10 acres of possibility. There were no fences, farm implements, or animals, but we soon changed all of that. I cut down some trees, fenced in one of the hillsides, and bought some sheep. I got some hay to feed them. Listen to this. I got some hay to feed them. I dropped a bale in the pasture and hoped they would eat it. They did. But they also scattered it on the ground, they mashed it into the mud, and they pooped on it. He said it was a great way to waste the better part of a $5 bale of hay. So I then built a contraption that would hold the hay up off the ground and keep it clean and dry. In short, I built a manger. He says the month prior, we replaced one of our box mattresses. I dragged the old one to the barn, removed the cloth and padding, and, and, and salvaged the wood. And, and he says the wood was rough and splintered, but later I found a use for it when building the manger. I didn't build the manger to impress anyone. I'm not an Instagram farmer. He says I didn't do this to, to uh, uh, I didn't do this uh, to, to impress anyone. And he goes and says he says my hands were dirty and raising some food for my family. That's what I want to do. My manger is terribly ugly, uneven, and completely uh, un-Instagram worthy. But my sheep love it. My sheep love it because after all, if you scatter the hay on the ground, the sheep are going to track it in the mud and they're going to mess in the hay. And then hay with mess in it don't, probably don't taste very good and probably not even healthy. Can I get a witness? All right. But sheep love it. Their, their hay stays clean and dry and that's all they really care about. He says it's a few years old now and it's, and it's showing its age. The feet are beginning to rot. The trough has collected bits of mud and manure that were stuck pieces that, that, that had stuck pieces of hay to the bottom, but it still serves its purpose. It looks different from what Google shows you. All those pictures have been liked or tagged in ways to arrive at the top of Google's analytics. Some look rustic, but they all look neat and tidy. But my poor little manger, he says, is never going to be like, 
liked by anyone but me and my sheep. Jesus' manger probably looked a lot more like mine than the ones you find online, he says. Mangers are for feeding animals, not holding babies. They are dirty, they're rough, and they're made from whatever scraps the farmer can scrounge together. But that is where Jesus was born. He probably got some fresh hay to lay in it, at least, but, but hay is itchy. I mean, I've never bailed hay before. It, can, can I get somebody who's, who's got a little roughness outdoorsmanship to him? It says, A is itchy, full of thorns and prickles and sticks, to it, and sticks to everything. I myself don't even touch it without leather gloves, but that was Jesus' bedding. I think about that too every time I fill up my manger. He says, maybe you don't deal with mangers every day like me, but I hope my story can help you view them a bit differently. Perhaps now you can envision what it really means when the Bible says that the Son of God was in a manger, a real one, with all the dirt and the smells that come with mangers. It was an extreme act of love, humbleness, and sacrifice. Now, guys, our Savior was born in a manger. He was born in a manger, uh, and but he was born for purpose. He was born to be the catalyst, the instrument, the tool, the vehicle, the vessel that God will utilize to bring us into personal relationship with him. And so, guys, when we think about this, uh, he came uh, to, to, to be born in the manger of Bethlehem so that you and I could have the opportunity to be a part of God's church, to be together as one. So, uh, so again, when we look at Christian unity, again, what Schaefer was saying is Christian unity is, is the final apologetic of the church, the final uh, argument that, that can be made for the church that we are legit and that God sent his son Jesus to be born in a manger to die on Calvary's hill. Unity. Christian unity. That's why this is so critically important. That's why we got to make sure that we are, realize that we need each, each other. Because through our unity, we're going to see, through our unity, we're going to be able to, uh, the world will be able to see that God's message to the, to, about his Savior is real. Jesus said it, I did. He says, the world is going to know that God sent me when they see our unity. Can I get a witness? Now go with me, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse number 4 through 6 right quick. Talk about the miracle of unity, and then we're going to get into uh, some of our text here. Um, I call it the miracle of unity because, you know, Christianity at its very core is not about, uh, it's not a conformity of religion, if you will, okay? Uh, in other words, uh, I, don't, I don't have to strip, strip off everything that makes me me in order to become a, a, a robot like every other Christian. Are you following me? In other words, all of us, when you look at Scripture, even the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 chapter about the, about the body of Christ, how it's made up of many members, so when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to the, the, the word of God, we, we recognize and know that, 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 that all of us are different. And when God calls us, he doesn't make us all the same in the sense that, that our personality bent is the same, our giftings are the same, and we got to dress the same, thank God. Because some of y'all may not like the way I dress. I may not like the way you dress. The Bible just said dress in moderation. Can I get a witness? All right, but 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 so 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 when God calls us, 
He doesn't call us to be all just the same. All right? So listen to this right quick. First Peter chapter number two. And let's begin our reading at verse number four. First Peter chapter number two. And we'll begin our reading at verse number four. Are y'all still with me today? Watch the text. It says, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for what? For great honor. Next verse, let's read. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that do what? That please God. Now, he's talking about born-again believers. He's talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, you are living stones. Don't miss that. Verse number six, let's read it real quickly. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor and anyone who trusts in him will never what be disgraced the miracle of unity christianity is not about it's not about see some people think unity means conformity they think unity means that everybody's got to do it just the same way there are different administration but the same lord guys and so, so the miracle of unity is that God can take this eclectic group of individuals of various backgrounds, various ethnicities, various giftings, and bring them together into one unit, and that one unit functions to glorify his name. That's a miracle. Some from the south, some from the north, some east coast, some of y'all west coast, amen, but we're here in Benton, Louisiana. And God has brought you here to serve and to glorify his name. Can I get a witness? So, so, so it says living stone. Now, now, can I just, just kind of just park there for an illustrative point, if you will, allow me just for a second. There is a difference in something being built with stones versus brick. All right? There's a difference there, okay? God is into stones and every stone is unique. You know, bricks are, are, are manufactured and they are, and they are made so they could, they, could, they, could, they could connect and fit together. A brick layer takes it in brick and, 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 and lays it together. So a, a, a thing that's stone, stone is unique from the standpoint that it, it may have a different shape, all right, a different size. But, but, but a brick layer, uh, when he begins to brick a house, those bricks are pretty much in uniformity. Can I get a witness? Right? How many of y'all got one brick the size of this podium and one this size in your house? You do not, right? Because in order for it to fit, they, they, they are manufactured to, to connect together in, in, in a way that, that allows that, 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 that house to look nice. So, but God is into stones and every stone is unique. Man always builds with bricks and bricks are cut and cast and and man always comes up with a religion of conformity. You got to do it just the way I do it. If you don't do it the way I do it, something wrong with you. You got to sing the way I sing. If you don't sing the way I sing, something is wrong with you. You're not as saved as I am. You're not as spiritual as I am. We're into conformity. 
But, but true Christianity, everybody say true Christianity, is the belief system of who God has made us to be. It's the uniqueness of our individual giftings, the uniqueness even of our, our, our personality bents, the uniqueness of the different ethnicities that God says, I'm going to bring them together into one body. And through that miracle of unity, the world is going to believe that the Father sent the Son. Now, guys, listen to me carefully. So the miracle of unity is that we all different, which y'all agree. We're all different. We're all unique. Yet somehow we're able to stand together. I mean, I, I, I may not like everything that Laura Jones like, and Laura Jones may not like everything that I like, but Laura Jones and I can serve together in ministry. Right? Because it's on the common ground of Christ Jesus. Can I get a witness? You may not like the songs that I like. I may not like the song that you like, but we can come together and we can merge those songs together and we can still have a good time in the Lord. Guys, in our, in our weaknesses, hear me carefully. The miracle of unity is that we're all different, yet somehow we all stand together. In our weaknesses, we won't fully agree on everything, but that's not what matters to us most. It's about the stones coming together that makes us the habitation where God abides. Go back, to, go back to 1 Peter 2 with me right quick and look back over this again, starting at verse number 4. 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse number 4. So we are living stone. The Bible describes us as living stone. Can we read together? Let's read. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone. He was rejected by people for great honor. Next verse. And you are living stones. And stop, stop. And you are what? Living stone. You say, I'm a stone, not a brick. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Did you know you were a holy priest? He says, uh, through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that what? Please God. Next verse. Come on, let's go. It says, as the scripture say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him, who is him? Jesus, will never be disgraced. So that's what we pursue, and that's the testimony that God, that's our testimony that God is in the midst of us, even in the midst of this diversity of color, this diversity of giftings, this diversity of backgrounds, this diversity of having grown up in different denominations, God can take this eclectic group of people and bring them together into one body and, and, and allow us to serve and represent his name. Amen. Unity. I need you and you need me. Can I get a witness? And, and, and that's, that's something that we got to learn how to say, I need you, because man is so prideful. Uh, we don't want to think that we need anybody. But I'm here to tell you, we need each other. And because Jesus says, he prayed, Father, make them one. The oneness that you and I have, let that be a part of them. Let them be just like you and I, so that the world will know you sent me. So, so, so oneness will not take place without authentic community. And one of the things that we've been talking about for years and one of the things that we talk about 
in our new members orientation class is what is authentic community. Authentic is something that's real. It's something that is something that uh, that that keeps us um, uh, focused on the right thing. If it's authentic, that means it's not fake. Any y'all ever had fake money before? How many of y'all had Monopoly money before? How many of y'all play play Monopoly? Um, you play Monopoly. Uh, that's not real money. You know that, right? Uh, but but uh, and. And so because it's not, if it was real money, I, I, I imagine some of y'all would really have a hard time playing Monopoly and losing your real money, right? All right? But, but what we're talking about here is we're talking about genuineness, authentic community. Jesus uh, showed us how to do authentic community. Let's go, if you will, to Matthew, the 10th chapter, and talk about Jesus and community. Matthew, the 10th chapter, and we look at verse number 24. Start at verse number 24. Matthew chapter number 10 and then we begin our reading at verse number 24. Glory to God. Unity. I need you. But Pastor, why are you harping on that? I'm harping on it because God keeps pressing in my spirit as the pastoral leader of this church for us to understand that it's critically important for us to, to be that picture for the world to see. Here's been the problem. The church has shown dysfunctionality in its, in, its, in its goings in a lot of ways because we have not fully embraced what it means to walk in unity. Are y'all with me today? So let, let's look at this right quick. The text says this. Ready? Let's read. Students are not greater than their teacher and slaves are not greater than their master. Keep reading. It says what? Students are to be like their teacher and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons. Who's talking here, guy, in this text? Jesus is talking. Since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called by even what? Even worse names. Keep reading. So quit, quit, quit. Uh, getting mad and quit getting upset because people have been talking about you. Hey, what whoop to do? Come on now. Get a little tough skin. Why? You, you, you're all upset because your family is talking about you. Uh, you go to that Doyle Adams fellow church. Well, first of all, it's not my church. I told you what, it's what? His church. So, 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 so nip that in the bud right there. Say it ain't his church, it's God's church. And you say, I went where the Holy Spirit told me to go. Right? All right, keep reading. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and, and all that is secret will be what? Be made known. Verse 27. Let's go, guys. It says what? What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. He says, uh, what I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops, for all to hear. Now, guys, when Jesus developed, what Jesus developed with his disciples is embodied in the word community. And we say community, we means living together, doing things together, basically spending time together. Guys, you can't, you, you're really not in authentic community with anybody if you fail to spend time with that person. Are y'all with me? Jesus spent time with his followers with his disciples and so he 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 embodied the word community they they were living in community with jesus and disciples followed his teachings and they followed his example 
Do y'all not realize that, uh, that whenever you are, uh, are with somebody long enough, all things being equal, then what they are doing and who they are has a tendency to rub off on you. Do you not realize that? As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about the fact that, that, that when, you, when you, if you, and I'm, I'm just paraphrasing, if you hang with somebody, uh, don't think that hanging with them is not going to impact you or affect you in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And it should be for us as believers uh, in a positive, God-honoring way. But time together ends up influencing you. Amen? All right, so, 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 so Jesus built community by teaching people in groups, both large and small, and his pattern for doing so was like, was, 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 we're going to go through some points and, and see some things here that can help us to begin to recognize what community looks like and how we can begin to, to foster greater authentic community because I want the world to see what God is doing through you and I here at EBC. I think, you know, we uh, uh, got a chance to eat lunch with the, the uh, group of brothers from the church that, you know, they're studying together and some other guys. And it always amazes, and, and Jeff and you others can, can, can testify to the fact that when people come by and they see a, a, a group of black guys and white guys uh, eating lunch together and laughing and talking and, and just kind of just spending some time together, it's strange to them. And I'm asking, why in the world should that be strange for Christian men to gather together and the world comes by or even either... Even Christians come by and look, well, what, what do they got going on? What's, what's their issue? Uh, who are they? Are they a team? Are they, are they a football? No, they ain't a football team. We, you know, Dan, we, we, we passed the, uh, uh, the time of looking like we play ball. Come on. Come on. Some of our, some of our, our, our parts are not in proportion like they were when we were 20 years old. And some of you ladies have been out eating and, and laughing and, and fellowshipping and, and just spending time together. You, you, community means that you don't even necessarily have to have a purpose for connecting. In other words, you, you, you just want to spend some time together because we, we come together on the common ground of Christ Jesus. And what I want to do and what God wants us to do is to show the world that we are unified because through our unity, the world's going to bleed that the Father sent him. And so let them keep talking. And hopefully they'll start asking questions. And when they start asking questions, then now you begin to share your testimony. You begin to share what the Lord is doing in your life and what he's doing in the life of your church because we understand and know that unity is what we need so that the world can see, amen, that Jesus was sent by the Father and he is and we are the real deal. Can I get a witness? The miracle of unity, guys. These different people from different backgrounds, uh, you may be a Democrat, you may be a Republican, you may be an independent, but that don't stop you from coming together in community. I'm going to say that again because some of y'all missed it. You may be a, 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 of a different political party than I am, but that don't mean, by the way, I'm independent in case you want to know. All right? I vote for who I feel is the best person for the job. That's what I do. Now, you do what you want to do. You can just go and mark all R's and all D's if you want to, but I vote for who I believe is the best person for the job. That's Doyle Adams. I'm going to say it again. Who? 
I don't preach politics. I preach the gospel. Are y'all with me? And, 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 and I, I, I am afraid some preachers are going to have to answer before God for some of the behavior that has been indicative in this culture that we're living in in these last two or three years. It's, been, it, it's, it's, it's abysmal. Preach the gospel. And if, if, if the guy you voted for is saying something that's against the gospel, don't be afraid to say that's against the gospel. I ain't supporting that. Yes, I said, I ain't. Imagine, I'm, too many Christians are flaky and, and scary. I, was, I don't know what it is. I mean, have you looked at the early church? Have you saw the courage and the spiritual boldness that the early church stood on? That, that they, they were all about Jesus and nothing else. And if it wasn't lining up with what Jesus told them to do, then they were not going that way, by and large. The, 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 the initial disciples, amen, they were persecuted uh, as they were going around to Paul himself, the apostle Paul who wrote a significant portion of the New Testament. The apostle Paul, when his, he, was, he was given the message of the multi-ethnic church, uh, he was, he was, he was, he was, he faced persecution because of that message, but he didn't stop preaching it. If you're going to be talked about, let it be because you're doing what's right for God, not because of some foolishness. All right? And the Bible tells it. I, I don't have time to back it up right now, but if you want, if I, I'll, I'll email you script if you need that. The Bible says that, that, that when, we're, when we're talked about, let it be not because we've been in sin, but because we're standing for truth. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of your family members are going to fall out with you because you stand for truth. So my question to you is, who's more important, Jesus or your family? Oh, I'm looking at you. Because some of y'all are scared, oh, well, mom, what mama going to say? What daddy going to say? What my children going to say? I, I want to know what Jesus is going to say. That's what I want to know. I want to know when I stand before the beamer judgment seat of Christ and I'm judged for what I did here in this earth realm, I want to hear him say, well done. So I, I, I love all of y'all. I promise you I do. And I, I hope I don't sound harsh. Do I sound harsh? I pray, I pray. I'm, just, I'm just talking out of love. But what I want to tell you is, is that the word of God is more important than my wife, than my mama and my daddy, than my children, because Jesus saved me. Now, again, understand this. Understand this. When, when, when I do word, as a, as a follower of Christ, I'm going to be a strong family man. As a follower of Christ, I'm going to love my wife like Christ loved the church. As, as a follower of Christ, I'm going to love people. I'm, I'm learning how to love people well, better than I did 25, 30 years ago. And hopefully some of y'all have learned how to love well, too. Hopefully some of y'all have learned since we went through emotionally healthy relationships how to deal with people who are not like you. Because can we be honest? I, I need y'all to raise your hand. How many of y'all were real skeptical about hanging around or spending time with people who, who didn't agree with everything that you agreed to or maybe they were, they were different? How many of y'all were a little skeptical about spending time with people who were a little bit different than you? I'm not talking about ethnicity. I'm talking about just, they're just different. I mean like different. I mean like Sometimes we're different, <laughs> but they're just different. 
They made you like the Cowboys, they like the Saints. Whatever. Or, 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 or just whatever. They're different. Guys, that's the beauty of unity. Because God says when the church, when the believers come together on the common ground of Christ Jesus and come from different backgrounds, different ethnicities with different various spiritual gifts and we come together as one and magnify Christ, the miracle of that unity has, has powerful impact. And God has called us like every other church. But I believe there's a, there's a, there's a, I believe there's a specific calling that God has given to us for this area. To show what it means to give up our comfort zone to magnify Christ. To give up what, maybe what we've been used to or what we've been accustomed to and say, God, take me where you want to take me. Show me what you want me to do and I'm willing to do it. Show me, God, and I'm willing to move even if it means that my flesh is uncomfortable. Because I'll tell you before. This is what I'm doing right now is not my natural bent. I was talking to a, a, a gentleman um, just the other day when I was um, at an event. If I called his name, you would know him. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a political leader. And he was telling me about how, how um, we were just talking about some stuff. And, and he was telling me about how, how he was afraid to even go into a restaurant and order food. He was just that, that shy and that, that adverse to, to interfacing with people. And I told him, I said, man, I said, you know, I, I, I can feel you on that. I said, because my nature, by nature growing up, I was a shy individual. I didn't talk a whole lot. And I just, and not that I couldn't talk, I just didn't talk a whole lot. If I had something to say, I said it. If I didn't, I didn't. And, and, and so, but, so, so I'm the most unlikely person to be doing what I'm doing today. I remember my first sermon I preached. This is over in, at the Hatter's Chapel of Free Will Baptist Church in Haynesville, Louisiana. My first sermon I ever preached. I was so afraid that I was going to run out of stuff to say after 10 minutes. I wrote about five pages of notes. Single space. And needless to say, I did not run out of time because I think I went about an hour on my first sermon. And usually when somebody preaches their first sermon, it's, it's usually a testimony. They down, sit down in 10 minutes. But I looked up and there was an hour had traffic. And I was like, okay, okay, Lord, okay. But I, that, that was not my natural bent. Why are you telling us that, Pastor? Well, some of y'all are sitting there right now and God is, God is, is, is telling you to do something that, that, that's not your natural bent, but he's, he's gifted you to do a thing. All right? And what he's saying is, I just need you to trust me to know that this me that's telling you and if I'm telling you, I will equip you. I will connect you to the right people, to the right church, to the right situation. And, and if, if all he wants is a willing servant, some folks want to want to be in a place, but they're not willing to start out by serving first. If you start off by serving, instead of looking for a position or a title, God can take you, mold you, shape you, and make you be what he called you to be, what he wants you to be. So I, that's, that's my story. I, I, listen, I'm, I'm still amazed that I'm doing what I'm doing. I mean, I, I, was, 
I was, guys, I was satisfied being a full gospel banker, <laughs> loaning money. I mean, I just, I mean, I, 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 I enjoyed helping people, you know, loaning the money and, and, and taking care of the financial needs. That, that, I was cool with that. I would have did that for the next 35 years. But the Lord says, when I was 33, guys, here's what he told me when I was 33 and we were in that middle building over there. He says, by the time you are 40, you're going to be in ministry full time. Now, see, I knew, I knew how much money Maria and I owed. <laughs> I knew the size of the church's budget at that time. And I looked at it, and here's, here, uh, this is my testimony. Y'all heard me say it before. I looked at it, and I said, well, God, if it's going to happen, you got to make it happen. And I just put it to bed. I, didn't, I, I just went on, just kept on serving. Kept on serving. Because it didn't look like that could happen. Have y'all ever had God tell you to do something, and you, like, you couldn't see how it was going to happen? Am I the only one up in there? In the natural, you couldn't see how that was going to happen. God told you to do something, you're like, I, I, just, I just can't see it. But what I, I, I had enough sense to, to trust it. Well, first of all, I knew that it was God speaking to me. I was able to discern the voice of God. And, and I had enough sense to say, God, I'm going to trust you and not me. And guys, it was, and it was not like I orchestrated, but three months I think it was February, and my, my 40th birthday was in May. So three months before my 40th birthday, I left the bank for good and started pastoring and ministering full-time here at the church. Because, you know, the devil come and start telling stuff like, well, what if the folks stop giving? You still got a house note. You got children to feed. They still got to go to college. As a matter of fact, they're still in high school. You know, stuff can happen in churches, you know. I thank God for, 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 for this leadership team at this church. This is, I, I tell anybody, I've, I've talked to enough preachers and enough and been involved in church situations and financing those churches and talked to enough people to know that this is a blessed situation that we have here. Yeah. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. To have a body of believers and to have a leadership team that works in concert with the vision that God has given the pastoral leadership, that is a blessing. So I know I'm blessed. But God's word has came true. And guys, when I had to take a pay cut to come and do this, God has made that up and then some. I just got to tell you how, how faithful he is. But if you're willing to just, just do what he said... Quit listening to them folks over, them, them negative nailers and those doubting Thomases that's talking in your ear, telling them what you can't do. If God gives you a word, you move. Somebody need to hear that today. All I know is, is that he's faithful. He is faithful. So you got to learn, everybody say move with him, move with him. But make sure you're hearing from him and not just some folks. Make sure you're hearing from him. And, and you really can't discern the voice of God if you never spend any time with him. It's just like this. A mother will know her, her child's cry out of every child that's crying in that nursery because she spends time with that child, nurturing and feeding and breastfeeding, whatever. She knows her child's voice. And so in order to discern the voice of God, you got to spend time with him. If not, you're going to be confused thinking you hear from God. How many of y'all ever thought you heard from God and turned out it wasn't God? It was the greens you ate last night. <laughs> I've missed God before too, guys. 
But on that, I didn't. On that, I did not miss him. I heard him plain and clear, and he's shown himself to be faithful. And he's going to be faithful in your life too. Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody needs to hear that he will put you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on him. I don't care. what. I, yeah, yeah, you may be in a, in a hard place right now. And all of us guys, all of us go through things in life. And God knows exactly where you are. But, but, but don't you dare turn loose your faith. Don't you dare turn away from God's word. Trust and know that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. He'll do it. So, so, so let's, let's get back here. In, in, in Lord Jesus. Mm, this is just the introduction today. Now watch this, guys. Watch this. Can I run through these real quick? I'm, I'm, I say run through. I, I'll, I'll, I, I don't ever do stuff real quick, okay? I, I know that about myself. I don't try to fool myself, okay? I used to try to fool myself, but I stopped trying to fool myself. And I just, I'm just going to be myself. Because I discovered, can't, can't nobody beat me being Doyle Adams. And I'm not going to try to be Billy Graham. I'm not, 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 not going to try to be Fred Lowry. I'm not going to try to be T.D. Jakes. I'm not going to try to be Tony Evans. I'm going to be Doyle Adams. Amen. 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 And I think, I, I think I'm, I can be, I'm, I'm comfortable in my own skin. And you need to get comfortable in your own skin. Quit trying to be somebody who you're not and walk in your giftings. So, guys, we, 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 we're like living stones. So the miracle of unity is that we're all different and we're all unique. Yes, somehow we're able to stand together in unity on the common ground of Christ Jesus. So we look at this, all right? So Jesus built community by teaching people in groups, both large and small. His pattern was number one, selection. Jesus called a few men to follow him who could bear witness to his life and carry on his work after he returned to the Father. Go to Luke, Gospel according to St. Luke 6, chapter, verse 12 through 12 through 16 real quickly. So selection. And will y'all let me do this? I, I think I'm going to stop on this one today. Okay? Will y'all let me stop on this one? I got to number one. <laughs> Look at Luke 6 chapter, verse 12 through 16. And it, if I could get some, some brothers, if you will, immediately when we get ready to dismiss, if we can kind of Take care of this our water issue here. Uh, that would be so good so we don't have, have anybody slipping or falling, okay? Amen? Is that all right? Watch what the text says. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. Now, this is, this is, this is critical, guys. Before selection, he prays. All right? One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God for five minutes. Is that what it says? No, it did not say that. He paid what? Now guys, I, I got to believe that, that, that he understood the importance of this, this selection here. And I'll also tell you that, that God is this type of God who does things in ways that confounds the wise. The Bible says he chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. 
God, if you notice the way God, I like the way God moves. Because it, God, God doesn't, he doesn't have to have the, the you know, the, 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 the straight-A student to get his deal, deal done. Thank God for straight-A students. If you are a straight-A student, more power to you. But, but you don't have to have straight-A's for God to use you. Every, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Because <laughs> some, some of us wouldn't be used. Wouldn't? Some, of us, some of us would be back there in the corner like, God, can I, can I, can I come out? Can I, can I come out? <laughs> he, he, he does Guys, oh, help me, Jesus. Uh, Watch this, watch this. Uh, keep reading. Uh, text says what? Uh, at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. He called together all of his disciples, which means there were more than 12 who were disciples, and chose 12 of them to be apostles. This is after having prayed all night. All right? Now watch this. It says, here are their names. Let's go. Simon whom he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, uh, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, all right, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him, all right? So he called them uh, to him. Now, these guys, y'all have heard me say this before, these guys were what we would call ordinary men. They were not anything special. Uh, they were not, you know, the cream de la cream of the, of the, of the societal hierarchy, uh, as a matter of fact, I was reading a, 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 a book. It's called Thoughtful Proclaim, a real good book uh, about uh, proclaiming the word of God. But it referenced the fact that, how many of y'all ever heard of, if you study the Bible and, and, and know some of the Christian theologians, how many of y'all ever heard of A.W. Tozer? A.W. Tozer, a, a. W. Tozer is widely regarded as one of the 20th century's greatest preachers. But his schooling, guys, ended with grammar school with no high school education and certainly no formal theological training, he practiced ministry for 44 years and wrote 40 books. He ministered as a pastor, author, conference speaker, and denominational leader. His biographer, James Snyder, claimed he was a reliable spiritual mentor. He added that many regarded him, even during his lifetime, as a 20th century prophet. Tozer educated himself by reading all the time. As a young minister, he traveled twice a week to the library for armloads of books and borrowed many theological books from other ministers. Despite his lack of a diploma and regardless of his voracious reading habits, his view was a man should think twice as much as he reads. His ministry flowed out of him not just because he studied so hard, but because he was under the control of the Holy Spirit. So this guy here, a grammar school education. But God took him and elevated him. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with education, but, but, but don't trust in the education. There are a lot of folks who are sitting in pulpits now who went to seminary or went to a cemetery, as some would say, and don't have any Holy Spirit moving in them and, 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 and are not preaching a, 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 a transformational gospel, but God can take you who maybe seem to be less and use less to do more with it so that he can show the world that I can do more with less when less is dependent upon me. As a matter of fact, he said it. He said it. Paul said it. Paul said that, that, that he, he chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise so that no flesh could glory 
in his presence. Because man, you know, you know how man, man, we can get real prideful. And we'll glory in our flesh. And we'll think we did it because of our degree, because of our education, because of our training. I'm in this position because I did this. But God will take somebody who the world says you're insignificant and he'll take you and transform an entire generation to show you that if you depend on him, he can do great things to you. So he, he, he selected these guys. These guys were not anything to write home about, but he used them to transform the world. You're sitting here right now saved because of these 12 guys, or 11. You had to replace one of them, right? Can I get a witness? God can use you if you're willing to surrender your heart to him. God told me to tell you today that unity is what we need. In order to have unity, I need you. And you need me. Are y'all with me? Unity in the church, not division in the church, but unity in the church is what's going to be the, 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 the tangible picture to the world that Christ was sent by the Father and that we are the real deal. Unity in the church. Everybody, everybody, close. Father, we thank you.